What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. And you might have heard that little chuckle. The dynamic duo, the band is back together. Said the past couple weeks, just recording schedules and things like that didn't line up. But Downey and Martez back at full strength today. I am Trey Downey with you every single week. And back with me today, the one and only Lynn Martez. Lynn, what's up, man? So let me get this straight. The Rock goes away for seven years, seven long years, as he put it. And he comes back and his music hits. And this is huge pop. Edge goes away for eight years and returns to the ring. You think you know me, you think you know me. Boom, pop. Sam Punk just recently came back to wrestling after seven years. Look in my eyes. What do you see? Huge pop. The crowd goes wild. That's what all the listeners are doing right now. You just can't hear them. I go away for three weeks and I can't even get a little little golf clap, man. What's up? Uh, Good to be back, man. Good to be seen. Good to be seen. Oh, man. It is is great to have you back. And I'm sure the listeners are glad that they're not just going to have me rambling on for uh, 30 straight minutes as well. So uh, before we get into today. I'm sure you held your own. You like yapping, so you did Yes, I do. Uh, At long-winded Downey, as you like to call me. But uh, yeah, we're going to get into a ton of stuff on today's podcast. Actually, some positives to talk about from a preseason game, the preseason finale this past weekend against the Houston Texans. We will talk about that, and we will talk about the Bucks' 53-man roster. We will talk about the cuts that were possibly surprising to us. Uh, you know, were there any surprises that made the team? And then we'll look at the guys that the Bucks were able to bring back as far as uh, the practice squad goes. So all of the got maybe some of the more surprising cuts came back on the practice squad. So we'll touch on all of that, maybe get into some of the surprising cuts around the league as well. Definitely one in New England that surprised quite a few people. But before we do that, just a quick social reminders on today's podcast. Remember, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself at TD Experience and then follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com. They were doing it all preseason and it is rolling as we are seven days away from the NFL kickoff at Raymond James Stadium right now. The great team over at Bucks Nation putting out, churning out a ton of great work. So make sure you check out BucksNation.com daily for all of that. And then wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, hit that little plus sign to follow us. And then if you're on Spotify, I've recently, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I have become a Spotify convert when it comes to podcasts. Hit that follow button. Uh, we'll be in your library and then you'll, you'll know. It'll be at the top of your list. You'll know that there is a new episode out. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. Apple's got these crazy algorithms. We want people to be able to find this show. And if you review us, that helps out there. But Lynn, let's get into it. Let's get into some Buccaneers football. It's kind of weird now how this 
everything uh, shapes out with the shortened preseason, the extended regular season, where you've got two weeks less than that for the Bucs because they're opening the season on Thursday night between the final preseason game and the regular season. But the Bucs closed out action uh, this past Saturday in Houston before they come back home to Raymond James Stadium next Thursday, September 9th, to welcome in the Dallas Cowboys. The first two preseason games, you could take some bits and pieces. I tried to shine a light on some positives in those games. Uh, number nine, as uh, we've talked about throughout the entire uh, minicamp, was definitely one of those that I highlighted in the first two preseason games. But let's start, let's start with some guys that we didn't see a ton of at all in the first two preseason games, but we did in the final uh, preseason game, and that's the starting offense. Tom Brady led this team on two very long scoring drives and to me one of the more impressive things I've seen this is I'm not breaking news to anybody but Chris Godwin and Brady's connection look phenomenal and we've been hyping up Godwin for years Lynn you joked when he was a rookie in training camp that people were already wanting to put him in the ring of honor he looks ready to possibly have I don't I think he's already had a breakout season but he could even break out more. I thought that what we saw from the first team offense this weekend uh, was a great sign. Godwin and Brady's connection in particular. No rhythm is what you want when um, when your offense is out there during the preseason. You want to you want to establish some rhythm and you want to be able to hit the hit the playbook as much as possible when it comes to running your offense, especially when you have those long drives. So it's one thing to go three and out couple of times or even have drives that you know end with six or seven plays or whatever it is the thing about it is when you're able to extend those drives you're looking at everything what would you want on first down what would you want on second down what would, you, what would you want on third down what would you want on a crucial third down conversion all those different things when you have those long drives you're able to do and because of that, again, it, it's about having offensive rhythm. It's about each and every one of those 11 guys, and when they switch them out, different guys, it's about having that starting offense get reps too. You know, that's crucial too. It's one thing to get them in training camp and get them in practice, but you're going up against the same guys, and you know, you know, let's not fool ourselves. When you practice against the same guy a whole lot, you start realizing what this guy does or doesn't do well. And you know the you know the strengths, you know their weaknesses. Well, you can discredit the Houston Texans as probably being the worst team in the NFL this year. But the bottom line is they're an NFL team, and you get the opportunity again to get those reps, the whole offense to get those reps, especially the offensive line to get that rhythm to create holes to protect the quarterback to be able to again dive into uh, the offense and run things differently whether it's second along third along whatever it is so uh yeah it was good to see it was really good to see and, and as far as the godwin thing is concerned here's the thing the problem is is you have a lot of weapons a good problem but when you get your opportunity grab it and grab it quickly that's the thing when I mean, we can talk about breakout years what's really a breakout year when it comes to godwin or evans or whatever it is yeah and it's not like you know, where you're in, let's say, Houston back in the day when DeAndre Hopkins was there and he was clearly the one. 
Right. Or even you want to go with Houston Moore, Andre Johnson as well, even further back. Yeah. I mean, when you start talking about, you know, yeah, like, you know, he, he's primed, he could challenge and get 2,000 yards receiving on line. That's not going to happen because of the, the wealth of weapons that's on his football team. So, you know, we can talk breakout years, but dude, I mean, as far as, as far as getting in the end zone, all those guys are going to get in the end zone. I mean, I, everyone knows that how highly I think of Mike Evans. I saw one of those, you know, bold predictions for the NFL season uh, articles out there. And somebody predicted that uh, Mike was going to break Randy Moss's touchdown record. And I'm like, yeah, there, there, there's too, too many, many weapons on this team to, yeah. to, to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think Mike is going to have a phenomenal year. Mike Evans, one of the best receivers in the league, in my opinion. But uh, as you said, too many, too many weapons. But Godwin's certainly a guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on, especially on the franchise tag, whether he, you know, is back here with the Bucks and what kind of money that they are going to pay him or what he could possibly earn himself on the open market. Mike Evans, by the way, restructured his contract and gave the Bucks a ton of wiggle room I think it was up over eight million dollars to navigate through this season should there be injuries or anything like that and they need to or if they need to bring on uh any other players so Mike definitely uh with a team move right there to help the Bucks Bucks through the season another guy on the offensive side that we saw more of in this game that we hadn't seen a ton of in the first two preseason games was Ronald Jones Ronald Jones with the with a good touchdown run there. Um, Ronald is a guy who I have high hopes for this season. I do still think it's up in the air as far as who is the starter, even though you keep telling me it's hot hand, it's hot hand, it's hot hand. But I think what we saw from Ronald Jones this past Saturday is a sign to, of uh, things to come moving forward into the regular season before I've got some things to say about the defensive side of the ball, but before we move on to there at this final preseason game uh, or even the preseason as a, whole, as a whole, since we didn't see a ton of the starters, was there anybody on like that first team offense that kind of stuck out to you this past weekend or in any of the three games? No, I, I was kind of uh, intrigued that, you know, the coaching staff and Bruce Arians talked about Alex Kapper and about, yeah, him him winning the the right guard um, position and the job, and you know we talk about it. A lot of us talk about it in regards to you know oh the eleven starters as a given. We never talked about having open competition about those eleven positions on the offense. So that that was like again that was kind of intriguing. As far as um, maybe not so much. The, the starting 11, but the running backs are concerned. I was really impressed with Keyshawn Vaughn, who probably about two, three months ago, you were kind of wondering if he was actually going to be part of this football team because of the signing of G Giovanni Bernard, but also the fact that um, Keyshawn did some things during the offseason that they didn't want him to do. Um, Believe he didn't intend eighty to ten workouts or whatever it is, and yeah. and Bruce was Bruce was pretty adamant in regards to, you know, certain guys need to be here, and he was alluding to guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, who basically was batting for a loss as well. But I was impressed with him on Saturday night. He played well, and you know, he talked about increasing his ability to catch the football, and that's huge because as far as 
you know, you talk about starting running backs concerned, whether it's Fournette or Jones, it's one of those two guys. Yep. And after that, Giovanni Bernard's got probably the third down back. But you know, this league is 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 full of surprises. You don't know who can be who can have to emerge as far as injury is concerned and all that kind of stuff. So Keyshawn's got to be ready. And going into the season as of right now, it looks like he is. Well, and we even saw improvement from him during this entire preseason because it was a little bit of a roller coaster. That first game, he had a touchdown, but he also had some drops as well when it comes to catching the football. So way to close for him. And as I've said throughout this entire preseason, I think I don't necessarily see him. It could differ because of injury, but I don't see him stealing reps on first and second down from Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, but I could see him possibly uh, stealing reps from Giovanni Bernard at the third down running back position if he's able to make those strides in catching the football and in pass blocking. And Giovanni Bernard's already dealing with an injury himself. He is expected to be ready to go for the Cowboys game, but he's dealing with, an high, with a high ankle sprain. And uh, a high ankle sprain, we've seen before, those injuries can be kind of tricky. So you talked about him being ready. He might have to be ready and, and sprung into action quicker than we all expected. Uh, going to the defensive side of the ball from Saturday's game, uh, they let the Texans move the ball a little bit, but once the Texans got into the red zone, that's where the Bucks really tightened things up. Had some stands down there that kept them off of the scoreboard early in the game. So that's what you want to see out of this Buccaneers offense. And you can say what you want. Texans are probably the favorite right up there with the Lions, I'd say, as having the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft as of right now. But the Bucs looked the – we're going to compare – what a regular season game would look like. You look at that first half, and that was primarily what you would see out of those two teams if they were playing on week one versus week three of the preseason, and the Bucs handled them pretty well. And while the defense in this in today's NFL, the way the rules are, and there are so many skilled players on, on offense, teams are going to move the ball a little bit. But if you can keep them off the scoreboard, that's what it's all about. And the Bucs were able to do that this past weekend against Houston. Yeah, no, they definitely were able to do that. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the defense, I mean, it's almost it's almost I don't want to say routine, but I don't I don't look for them to allow teams to move up and down the football field against them. I really don't. Yeah, um, going through the season, you know, and, and granted. Things happen, but when it comes to the, the, the upcoming season, I don't see how teams will be able to move up and down the football field on long drives. Plays are going to happen. You know, you're going to, you, you, unfortunately, there's going to be times where maybe, you, you know, you miss the assignment or you just get, you know, there's, there's you watch plays at camp where Mike Evans out, you know, battles Carlton Davis and Carlton Davis has perfect, uh, coverage, but yet he's still Mike Evans is able to make a play. There's going to be times the team's going to make plays. That's, that's the NFL. Especially with the Bucks style of defense, the Bucks sometimes sell out to attack in Todd Bowles style of defense. So sometimes teams will be able to beat that attacking style of defense over the top. So but it, for sure. Yeah, but in the end, I you know, to see long 
sustained 13, 14, 15 play drives. I don't see that, man. I really, I really don't. Um, and that's one of the things about this football team is everyone talks about Brady, rightfully so, and, and the rest of the offensive weapons. But for this team to be as successful as, as last year and, and even better in the regular season, it's going to be about the defense. And it's added some pieces, too. You know, you mentioned number nine earlier. And, let's, and, talk, uh, let's talk about him, man. Because, see, I mean, that, do, that's probably the – for me, I think that's probably the biggest storyline out of the preseason moving forward to the Buccaneers. I think that if this preseason is a sign of things to come, 31 other GMs around the NFL are going to be smacking themselves for letting the Super Bowl champions end up with another possible elite pass rusher. No doubt. No doubt. And we can blame it on the situation where he sat out the season and hadn't played. And maybe that allows him to fall to where he fell in the first round, as you mentioned, the last pick. But in the end, I mean, yeah, you're right. Because let's face it, it's a crapshoot. And there's going to be first round picks that, you know, we look at, the date today, and it's, you know, September 2021. Three, four years down the road, dude, you know there's going to be players that are not even going to be in this league that were drafted in the first round. You know, GM certainly try to make them pan out. You know, i.e. teams like the New York Giants are trying to make Andrew Thomas, you know, their tackle pan out. You know, get the, you get the opportunity to take any offensive tackle you want. You could have took it. Any of the top four, and you ended up with the worst. But the bottom line is, again, in the end, as a GM, you try to make – you try to give it as much time as possible. Look at what the Bucs did with Jameis Winston. Perfect example, yeah. Any any situation, you try to make it as as lengthy as possible to see if it's going to work out as far as – because that's, that's, you know, that that makes careers. And it it, it can either make – or break your career when it comes to player personnel and general managers. And when it comes to Joe Tryon falling to 30, 32, again, there's going to be players that were drafted ahead of him that will look down the road three or four years that are not going to be in this league anymore. I mean, we, we read about it all the time, Trey. We yeah. talk about it all the time. You know, we, you and I can sit and talk about draft busts, you know, the latest draft bus. Well, who's the draft bus last year, this year, this, whatever. Like you said, they're going to be GMs kicking themselves for not taking number nine. Now let's talk about, uh, I mean, he was obviously the bright spot when it comes to defense. Uh, I'll give you the option. Do you want to talk about the other two, uh, two rookies that I think shined on the defensive side of the ball and both made the team first, or do you want to move over to, you want to move from number nine to number to number two? You run in the show, man. All right, let's talk. Let's talk because I think talking about the other two guys on defense that'll get us more into as far as uh, the fifty-three man roster and the cuts go. Let's talk about number two. Let's talk about Kyle Trask. And on this podcast, the past couple of weeks, I took issue with how the Bucks used him in the first two preseason games, putting had playing Ryan Griffin before him and not giving Kyle Trask anything close to meaningful reps with guys that might get playing time on Sunday or against guys that might get playing time on Sunday. I thought that was a mistake, but 
this past this past weekend he played with Tyler Johnson and some other guys that will get playing time on on Sundays and you want to see growth out of a guy obviously as you and I debated from the day he was drafted as far as him being the backup quarterback I said I think he should be able to I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to he clearly was not given the opportunity to uh to compete with Blaine Gabbert for the backup quarterback position on this football team but I do think we saw improvement especially in the third preseason game I thought he looked better against Houston that he did in the first two now is that a matter of who he played with is that a matter of growth I don't know but I think that that is a good thing to end on when I'm sure he's going to get reps in practice but that is for all intents and purposes the last time we will see Kyle Trask in uh, live game action till preseason next year no doubt and as far as like grading the type of preseason he had yeah you have to take into account as you mentioned who he played with because he's still around and a lot of those guys aren't mm-hmm. um, but there were plays that he actually missed on in the first preseason game and I guess I think it was against the Titans yep and you know you would you were obviously or Titans were second Bengals were Bengals were okay first. Bengals yeah. game you know, a couple of plays that he missed on where he just overthrew a wide receiver and, you know, you were hoping that he'd make, make that connection or whatever. But as far as moving forward in 2021 season, look, whether it's Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask, let's be honest with each other. I mean, granted, they're one play away from playing if they're, you know, QB2. But, you know, in the end, what are we talking about? I mean, God forbid... Yeah. 12 gets hurt because this team's not winning without 12. That's the reality. So, you know, being third on a depth chart on this football team, I mean, he's got years. Uh, I mean, that's why, def- I go, uh, that's why I was going back and forth with you in regards to, you know, wanting to make him the backup quarterback. I mean, like this dude's got years before, before you have to decide whether or not he was, he was a, a, a bad pick or not. At least a couple of years until Tom says he's not playing anymore that just remains to be seen how long does tom want to play so uh it's, who who knows what the situation there uh it could be debated like i'm not gonna say this team is gonna win win a super bowl without tom brady but the nfc south isn't what it once was with decent quarterback play the defense that they have and the weapons that they have on offense i think I'm not saying if Tom Brady misses the entire season and Blaine Gabbert starts all 17 games, I don't, it's not a discussion worth having, but I think that the team that they have. Be honest with yourself. I think they could still possibly. Be honest with yourself. Lynn, if Blaine Gabbert was the starting quarterback of this team right now today and not Tom Brady, would you still pick the Bucs to win the NFC South? Yeah, but that's yeah. I I know, but that that's that's where I'm going as far as you say. Like they're not going to win, but yeah. But Super Bowl is the goal for this team, especially based on what they did last year. Of course. So that's what I'm telling you. If Tom gets, God forbid, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, it's coming out of my mouth, so I'm going to end up saying it. Um, We're not putting out this into the universe. Universe, just put your earmuffs on for a minute. If Tom were to get hurt, 
this team's not winning a Super Bowl, and that's yeah. their goal. Yeah, let's be let's be honest with ourselves. You know, what I mean, who are we fooling? If we no. say, oh yeah, they can still win a Super Bowl, no, they won't. No, they can't. You, I mean, you really depending on when it happened to be one thing, but yeah. in the end, you're talking about taking down the quarterbacks you have to take down to win it. I'm sure people would. I'm sure people would argue with us based on what happened with Nick Foles a couple of years ago. But still, that like I said, like it's not a conversation worth going back and forth with. But I do think that the talent on this team is good enough for them to still be a playoff team. Even yeah, but Tom Brady is the quarterback. We're not going to talk about him not being the quarterback. This was just about Kyle Trask moving forward. Uh, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball and some rookies that impressed other than Joe Tryon and Rondé Barber throughout all of the calls this preseason put a ton of shine on KJ Britt as far as him possibly being the third linebacker on this football team and I don't know what the Bucks are going to do as far as if he how much playing time he's going to get but I was very impressed with KJ Britt throughout this entire preseason and then you want to talk about a guy who showed improvement Grant Stewart who was Mr. Irrelevant out of Houston coming out of the first game. I was like, that guy's got a lot of effort. He's got a lot of want to, but he was in the wrong spot a lot of times in that first game. And then already coming out of the second game, Bruce Arians was saying he did enough to, to earn his spot on this football team. So those are two guys. Uh, Britt looked impressive in all three games, but Stewart, that's a guy who turned that, that want to into making solid improvements and is now going to be a part of a Super Bowl contending football team and goes to show, look at one of the Bucks. The Bucks had another draft pick in Chris Wilcox, who they ended up waiving. So set late round draft picks don't always make the team. So that's a good sign for, for Stewart moving forward. And he earned it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, kudos to him because you start looking at 32 teams and start looking at where guys get drafted. And as you mentioned, when uh, you know when cut down day comes, there aren't a whole lot of seventh round picks that you know survive cut down day, but he did, and kudos to him to developing what he needed to develop, as you mentioned, you know early on, and even in camp, I watched it in camp. He was just a step behind everything, completed pass to a tight end, and you look up, and you know forty six is standing there, you know. And you're like, you know, just a step too slow. But he developed into being there, uh, making the plays. I believe he's 46, right? I think I got the number right. Um, 48, I think maybe. One of those two. But in the end, he made, he made the moves and made the plays to, uh, to earn a spot on his football team. And again, kudos to him because, as you mentioned, not a lot of seven-round picks make, you know, make football teams. And as far as K.J. Britt's concerned, I've been bragging about that dude, and, and, and I'm not alone when I say this. I've been bragging about K.J. Britt since rookie camp just because of his demeanor and the way he handled himself and the way he talked to the media and, and in his interviews. And, you know, again, even back then in uh, rookie, rookie camp and minicamp, he talked about – you know, I want to play defense. I just want to hit somebody, you know, and that, that right there is just like, Oh, you know, that, that's a dream special teamer right there. Yep. You know what I mean? And granted he's a linebacker and granted, 
of course, when you talk about the inside linebackers that this team has in two pro bowlers in Devin White and Levante David, you, you, you know, you're limited as far as the time's concerned, as far as playing time is concerned in the actual, you know, three down defense. But if it ever comes to a, an opportunity where he has to play, because remember, I mean, we're still dealing with Football in itself is a physical sport and, you know, injuries happen, whatever. But then on top of that, you've got, you know, the situation we're dealing with the last two years that we're dealing with now with COVID. By and the way, bravo to the Bucs. They are the second team in the NFL to reach 100% uh, vaccination. So good job, Bruce. Every player, every coach, every staffer, the Bucs are 100% vaccinated. And uh, you and I were there when Bruce Arians was talking about vaccinations through through minicamp and we heard some of the players. So the Bucks did the Bucks did a great job. And I think that that deserves some, some some kudos there. And like we've gone over this entire preseason, that's something that they're going to have to deal with throughout the entire season. So well that that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be taken for granted because the protocols obviously are different for vaccinated, unvaccinated players. So um, if someone were to, uh, you know, unfortunately test positive or have some type of tracing to uh, COVID-19, the, the ramifications or the protocol to get that player back on the football field is less stringent than it would be if he's unvaccinated. Yep. So, but in the end, you know, we, we saw it last year in, in the first playoff game, right? Devin White's out and there's an opportunity for a linebacker to play, whatever it is. By the way, Grant Stewart is 48. But with, with that, again, you think about K.J. Britt maybe at some point having to, you know, play in the three-down defense. And if he has to, I'm okay with it because of how Im- impressive he has been since the day he came to Tampa Bay. You think he er- you think he did enough to surpass uh, Kevin Minter as the third inside linebacker on this football team or do you think that the bucks still lean towards mentor just because of his experience in this defense uh, that's the, it's the latter you you lean towards mentor because of the experience because of his knowledge of the defense and listen kevin kevin is not only is he one of the better guys in that locker room and there's certainly tons of them um good guy real good guy kevin mentor 51 got his number worse <laughs> but uh <laughs> but beyond that you know special teamer and he can be there like that ready to play because he again he knows the defense and and uh you know is he gonna be a pro bowl like the guys he's replacing of course not but he's gonna give you he's gonna give everything he has and trust me it's good enough especially with this defense that's that's huge too when you start talking about replacing players and going on a depth chart and playing playing a two instead of a one because of an injury, there's, there's a little bit of um, comfort in knowing that, okay, yeah, you know, man, this guy's hurt. And yeah, this guy's got to play. We watched it last year with uh, Nacho. Yep. Right? Nacho had to play. He's pressing the service because Vierve is hurt or whatever. And granted, Vita Vey came back and was a beast uh, in the final games of the season. But did you really see the defense miss a beat, you know, as far as having to play Nacho? 
No, because of the pieces around him. Yep. You know, when you start talking about replacing a stud on defense and you only got one stud, it's a problem. But if you start talking about replacing a stud on defense and you've got five, six, seven, eight studs, then, you know, everyone picks it up. And that's that's what this defense is about right now. I mean, you know, like I said, we deal with 2021 and COVID. And if for some reason someone's got to um, sit out a game or whatever it is, comfortable with knowing what, what their backup can do. All right. We talked about those guys who earned their way onto the roster. They made the team. I think maybe the biggest surprise in the cuts was uh, Chris Wilcox, who we had both had high hopes for, especially in terms of a special teams guy, a rookie uh, a defensive back out of BYU. It seemed as though the Bucks wanted to possibly get him back for the practice squad, but he was claimed by the Colts on uh, on waivers there. And then the other one that we have to talk about is Tanner Hudson. Now, Bruce Arians was outspoken in terms of what Tanner Hudson needed to improve on as far as blocking. He's a great pass-catching tight end, but the Bucs have three of those. Uh, I think that the biggest surprise in the Bucs cutting Hudson, in my opinion, even though he basically is a – I don't want to say a carbon copy because that might be a little bit of an insult to, uh, to a Cam Brait, but he is very similar to what they already have. But I am surprised that the Bucs only kept uh, three tight ends on their, on their roster moving into the regular season. But it, I – I do agree with Tanner Hudson's uh, decision to sign with a different practice squad. I believe he signed with the 49ers practice squad. I mean, they've got a great pack, pass catching tight end themselves, but uh, there is no team in the NFL that is as deep at pass catching tight end as the Bucks are. So I understand why, uh, why Hudson decided to go elsewhere, but those two were the two that stuck out to me as far as, surprises there were some other guys that looked good in the preseason in spurts Hamilton Hagen uh those guys in the defensive backfield but uh Wilcox and Hudson were the two that stuck out to me no I definitely but the thing about Chris Wilcox is you know we can talk about and, and we did in regards to being fast big as far as the corners concerned mm-hmm. and being you know, a good candidate to be a gunner on special teams. You can't do that if you're not healthy, dude. Yeah. And he wasn't healthy. And, you know, granted, they may have wanted to stash him and, and, and put him on their own practice squad, but you're certainly not going to put him on your 53 if, if, you, if you haven't seen enough of him to decide that he's ready to be a part of your 53. When it comes to Tanner Hudson, it, the thing about about that is they kept a, a, a tight end on their practice squad. So he could have came back. He chose not to. Yep. And I, and I kind of get why, but here's the thing that kind of had me thinking maybe not such a good move to leave the bucks, because if you think about it, and I'm, I know I'm going down the road a little bit here, but 2022, those tight ends, that tight end room could look at, completely different there's not a guarantee any of those three are on the roster absolutely not absolutely not and, and for different reasons right because we've been cutting cam and break since you know since they've been since they've been working construction on gandy boulevard yeah okay we've been we've been cut we've been cutting in for how long 
and cap cash to cap. Can, where can we spend? What? What? Wait, we can save cash doing what? We need cap room? Oh, Cameron Brake. Let him go. Let him go. There's eight million right there or seven million right there. We've been cutting him for, for years, dude. Um, as far as Gronk's concerned, you don't know how much longer he's going to play. And I'm not trying to kick him out the door. But like I like I've said other times, and I got Washington McCamp. My man is a dinosaur. And when I say dinosaur, I mean as far as moving is concerned. He, I mean, he still finds a way, gets open, huge target, knows the game, but we don't know how much long he's going to play. And last but not least, O.J. Howard is a free agent after this year. So all three of those guys, any of those guys, could be potentially not part of the tight end room come 2022. That's the only reason why I would question Tanner Hudson uh, choosing the Niners over the Bucks. All right, so now let's talk about a position that really quickly that we always talk about every single position, every single time uh, in the Bucks preseason. That's the wide receiver position, and uh, Jalen Darden was clearly going to make this football team. He impressed in the preseason. Justin Watson is a guy that we talked about a ton. But you want to talk about not being healthy. Justin Watson wasn't healthy, and he's on uh, IR for the Bucks moving forward. But who we thought they poss- possibly could steal a uh, steal a roster spot, or talking about, you know, would the Bucks be able to bring them back on their practice squad? Some interesting, uh, some interesting things there as far as. Uh, they were able to bring back Travis Johnson on on their uh, on their practice squad and Cyril Grayson as well. That's a guy that you've talked about in past preseasons. I think it was the second preseason game against the Titans. He might have been the brightest spot out of that entire game. So I'm uh, I'm glad that the Bucks were were able to uh, get get him a spot on the practice squad. There'd have to be a lot of injuries for him to see any significant action. But I like seeing when guys not even on the 53-man roster, but, but kind of earn their spot. Those kind of guys are still with the team, and that's what I thought uh, Grayson did. And then the other one on the practice squad that I was kind of surprised about is Ryan Griffin because I think you want to get reps for Kyle Trask in practice, so I just don't understand why the Bucks, uh brought back Ryan Griffin to take another practice squad spot. That's a little puzzling to me. As far as the wide receivers are concerned, no surprises. I mean, when you talk about the top six guys, you probably could have, if you wanted to be, you know, risk, risky in regards to choosing someone else to make the team, if you were predicting the six wide receivers they would keep before the 53-man roster came out, okay, you could have, you know, taken one name out. But in reality, they were going to keep six. And this six is pretty obvious especially when you talk about uh, Jalen Darden's ability to be a kick returner. When it comes to Ryan Griffin, um, had this conversation before I asked Bruce Arians in regards to keeping four quarterbacks after they drafted Kyle Trask, myself and Greg Allman of The Athletic. Name drop, name drop. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Greg and I were talking, would they keep four? And he made the point that, yeah, they did it last year with Josh Rosen. And 
they could certainly do it again with putting Ryan Griffin on the practice squad. And honestly, as far as Griffin is concerned, and I'm not questioning his ability to play in this league, but it's really not a bad job. Okay. No, I, I don't think it's a bad job at all. I just don't know. I, the, the Bucks keeping him, I don't understand. When you only have so many spots, I just, I don't understand the logic behind that. Ryan Griffin, I understand. This is the team that he's known, the city that he's known. Clearly, he, w- he has a good relationship with Tom Brady. Uh, Absolutely. Talking about, you know, mm-hmm. that's the guy that held him up after mm-hmm. a little bit too much avocado yeah. tequila. So yeah. maybe that's the reason why he's still here. Whatever it is, uh, when you do something like that, too, in regards to uh, that boat parade is concerned, you get some major points with, with, with the guy. So I'm sure Tom's probably like, you know, if, if Tom had to say, Tom's like, no, no, he needs to be back. He needs to be back. I owe him. Yeah. <laughs> I owe him. <laughs> you know, so, you know, whatever Ryan Griffin wants. <laughs> when it comes to Tom Brady, he can pretty much have. Jaden Mickens is, a, is, a, is another name, too, who both you and I talked about that we didn't necessarily think the Bucks would be able to bring back on their practice squad. And that's a guy, especially on special teams and kick return. We saw the Bucks bring him up from their practice squad last year. That is That might be the biggest piece of this practice squad to where if, if you have an injury at, at receiver or – Darden at kick returner doesn't turn out the way you think that it's going to Mickens is just ready right there that you can have him brought up and go right into that role. Yeah, no, and good for him too, because here he is. And we talked about it earlier, um, probably months ago before camp even started. Yeah. When we were out um, during mini camp, watching them practice and watching Mickens and Darden Actually, with Mickens helping Darden out in regards to, you know, giving him tips as far as kick return is concerned and, and this and that, you know, and, and kind of, you know, taking him under his wing in regards to being a kick return in the NFL. And we discussed it then. It's like you're teaching a guy to potentially take your job. But kudos to Mickens because he's still part of this football team. And, uh, you know, I think that, in my opinion, just this is just this is just me. There's value in that when it comes to having the the want to to help a guy like Darden, even though potentially he can take your job. And with that, look how it worked out, right? We don't know what 2021 is going to bring us. Like you said, something could happen in regards to you know the wide receivers that are on his football team at six. And Mickens could get, you know, bumped up to the 53. But good for him because he handled like a pro, dude. And you want people that handle things like a pro to be successful and to get the right things. And he did. He may be just on a practice squad right now. But, again, good for him the way he handled things. All right, Lynn, let's talk about – let's go around the league really quickly. Uh, Any other – cuts or roster moves made in the past week surprising to you I think that the the fact that Mac Jones is starting in New England isn't the biggest surprise in the world even though you and I have gone back and forth for a long time on Mac Jones I think the fact that 
Mac Jones. Who? Um, Mac Jones. I think the fact that Cam Newton was cut was not the biggest surprise I've ever seen, but it was it was certainly a, a head turner when I saw that that tweet come out earlier this week. Was it surprising to you? The timing was weird because you know a day before Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, and he meets the media real early, by the way, like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, wow, that's pretty early. You know, I, and and granted, you know, we, you and I, and the rest of the media here in Tampa are at practice as early as 8.30 or 8.15 or whatever. But to meet the media at 8 a.m. That's because of I, weather that they do it so early here, man. But I, I digress. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. But I, but I digress. But the point is, is that Belichick on Mondays talking about the, when asked about the quarterback position, yeah, we haven't decided yet or whatever it is, you know, the Bills, the Belichick line of things. It's not going to give you much, you know, as hard as you try. And boy, they try hard in Boston. They try real hard. But he didn't, there wasn't anything that led you to believe that the following day he was going to uh, cut Cam Newton. I will say, again, the timing was surprising. Because when I, when I saw it come across my phone, I'm like, what, what, what? Like, been breaking news. The timing was weird. But I think, and, and we all, you know, maybe we'll come out, maybe we won't come out. But we all have the theories of, you know, why it happened and why he got cut. I, I honestly think that Bill would have liked to have kept Cam as a backup. And Cam didn't want to be a backup. I've also and, heard I've also heard rumblings as well that Cam was well liked in that locker room, and when you make a decision to go with a younger guy, you don't want to have that guy still in the locker room that a lot of the team is going to gravitate towards. I mean, that was part of the decision that Bruce Arians made as far as not bringing back Ryan Fitzpatrick when there was the situation with uh, with Jameis Winston. And two, even though Bill Belichick said no. The vaccination status, I think, played into it because well, say, say what you, say what you will about uh, about vaccination, but the protocols are what they are. And if Cam Newton is a part of is a part of that team, and if Cam Newton were to were to test positive, and he's in a ro- room with say, in that same quarterback room with with Mac Jones, even though th- I don't, I'm not sure if the unvaccinated players are allowed to be in there. I think that that is a little bit I think that that played into it Urban Meyer admitted it even though the Jaguars had to go back back on it I think that that was a part of the decision making in in the world that we're living in and I think that especially because Bill doesn't give give people a lot and saw what the reaction was when Urban Meyer said what he said I think that's why we got the flat out no it didn't have anything to do with it I think it had I don't know how big of a part it played into it, but I think it was part of the decision. I think any decision, especially in looking at who's going to make the roster spots, if the talent is similar, I think that all the teams looked into that this year just because of what the protocols are. That's fine, and that, and, and again, it's all spec. You know, that's all speculative. We don't we don't know. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. And, and we may never. I'm basically, know. I'm basically telling you that know. Bill Belichick was lying. But I, I don't 100% know that yeah, you, you go Yeah, but you, uh, you again, speculation in regards to why he cut him. 
because like I said, I don't know that Cam told him I don't want to be a backup. Yeah. And, and, you know, you make the good point regards to that locker room and yeah, you know, you can say whatever you want about Cam and I've certainly taken my shots at him when, when, um, when he was at Carolina and sometimes he's going through the good, good times where he's, you know, pulling out the Superman cape and all that kind of stuff. And I, at times would call him a front runner. I called him the same exact thing. But when it comes to his teammates, whether it be in Carolina or in New England, not a bad word, dude. Not a bad word. And if you talk to Belichick and Rivera, his two head coaches in this league, same thing. Not a bad word. And because of that, yeah, you could be potentially right in regards to having having him still lingering around that team or when they're starting a rookie quarterback, because I mean, look, think about it. Chicago's going through the same thing, right? Chicago has decided to go with Andy Dalton, but you know, there's talk about, well, you know, if fields is ready, let fields play. Look at Jacksonville. The difference is, you know, those veterans in that locker room aren't clamoring for Andy Dalton. Okay. They may have been Patriots players who may have wanted to, to see Cam stay and play and be the number one. But the Bears locker room, the majority of it probably wants Justin Fields to play because they think that that's the potential they have in winning. That's the thing. So, again, it's all speculative um, and it's all, you know, somewhat guesswork. But, again, as far as Cam's concerned, God bless him. But it's, unless things change, and I don't just mean, you know, a potential injury, as you mentioned, the un, the unvaccinated uh, thing, unless things change, he's probably not going to see the field in 2021. And that's, that's, that, think about that. That's a little bit alarming to think that Cam Newton. Six years removed from being NFL MVP. And the Super Bowl. Yep. Playing in the Super Bowl. And you can say whatever you want about how he struggled last year. People just want to just it's like throw away the fact that the dude had COVID. You don't know when he was healthy, when he wasn't healthy, when he was right, when he wasn't wrong, or when he was right, when he was wrong. He he had COVID. And I mean, look at the Patriots offense. That wasn't the... Oh, the, the, I mean, that, that's a whole other subject. And that but was his but, first but, time going to a different team. There were a lot, a yeah. lot of things involved. Different team, no offseason, and he got COVID in the middle of the season. And people were like, oh, he threw eight touchdowns and he threw 10 interceptions. You, uh, blah, blah, Stop. Stop. And like, like I said, I mean, he, he may not be a starting quarterback in this league this year or anytime soon, but don't bash him for the year he had in 2020. I think he's probably. I think he's probably done. I think we've seen the last of Cam Newton in the. NFL. I don't. I don't disagree. I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe not in the NFL. I think. I think reality may hit him, and he may decide, okay, I can't get a starting job. I'm going to go take a backup job, or you know, I'm not wishing anybody get hurt, but you know, somebody goes down, and his phone may his phone may ring. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing with the absolute. That dude will be ready to play. No, I'm with you. It's just an interesting. Physically, physically, he stays in shape. 
it's just an interesting situation with the unvaccinated thing that where if a team were even to want to sign him, there's that waiting period before oh, no, he can even no. get into the oh. get into the facility. There's no doubt that that's that's a huge cloud that hangs over him and his his uh, I guess his possibility of playing again in the NFL. It's a huge cloud. Right now, and do you think there's an that even- could change? That he, I mean, like I said, that could change. We're here, we're sitting here saying he's unvaccinated. I mean, he, uh, he could decide he could to get ch- vaccinated. Yeah, he could he could change that today. for whatever reason. And it's God, you know. Again, God bless him. His choice. Yep. Get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. That's his choice. But it's at some point he may decide that, you know, he wants to get vaccinated because he wants to play. Yeah. He doesn't want to hang it over his head. So it's where you're at. And we've seen a lot of players make the, the Leonard Fournette in speaking to the media after it was announced that the Bucks were 100% vaccinated. Said he, we saw a couple of weeks ago that he said he sent out that tweet, can't do it. And he said part of his reasoning today was that he wanted to be the best teammate possible. So that is clearly going into to some of these decisions. I don't even know if I see, even if the situation were different and we were in a normal NFL world moving forward this season, I don't even really see a, a logical landing spot for Cam. I guess the only one that even halfway would make sense, kind of, I guess, is does Miami kind of make sense? Do they not like Tua that much? I mean, no. there's still there's still the the smoke no. going around there that they're going to give no. up a ton of draft picks for Deshaun Watson still. So that's the only one no. that even that even blipped on my radar that said, okay, you talking about that- getting a starting job? You talking about a starting job? That's yeah, as far as or even yeah. even com- or even competing, no. having a because ch- I don't think Cam's no. I don't think Cam wants to go sit behind somebody who's I don't think Cam wants to go sit behind Russell Wilson or or Pat Mahomes or or something like that. So that I think Cam wants to would want to go to a situation where it's possible that he that he would start without an injury. So the Miami okay. situation is the no, only one. My, to- no, my, no, negative, negative, negative. I'm gonna shoot that down. Big time, because it is. Why do you think the Dolphins let Fitzpatrick go? Yeah, they wanted to make Tua. They wanted to make the team Tua's team. But there's still him, all that talk about Deshaun Watson there. Okay, do you not that's buy fine. that at all. Deshaun Watson and, and Cam Newton are two different quarterbacks. No, I'm with you. If you get an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson, and granted, this is, you know, this is beyond the off the field crap that he has yeah. going on. And when I say crap, I don't mean the dis- demeanor. Uh, the situation. I just mean in terms of there's so much of it. Yep. Um, there's a reason why the Dolphins didn't bring back Fitzpatrick. They wanted to give the team the tour. Now, when you say, well, they're, they're talking about bringing in Deshaun. Yeah, they're talking about bringing in uh, a guy who on the field is is a top five quarterback in the league. They're not talking about bringing in a guy who's, you know, who. Is past his prime five years, yeah. It was five years removed from winning an MVP. You're talking about a guy who Deshaun's totally different, he's on a different play, different playing field than than Cam Newton. The Miami thing doesn't doesn't make sense, dude. You don't, yeah, no, they're, trying to, they're trying to get to every opportunity to to uh, either succeed or fall on his face, and then they move on. No, I, I, I personally would. If I was just looking at it from the outside looking in, I wouldn't think that it makes sense, but there's still tons of tons of noise. And Brian, Brian Flores, their head coach, isn't diminishing the the talk whatsoever. So 
that I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's just a Deshaun Watson thing or if there are still so many questions in within that franchise surrounding Tua because if you look at what that team did last year with Fitzpatrick they were more successful when Fitzpatrick was on the field and they were very close to making the playoffs so I think that Flores is in a situation there where he wants the best chance best chance to win and maybe it's coming from higher up in terms of the, in terms of the Tua thing but there is just there continues continues to be smoke around that fire okay. that it might not just be the Sean Watson pe- thing people like you kill me so it's like what do you want him to do you want him to come out and say oh um say two is your guy it doesn't matter here's the thing if he says that and they trade for Deshaun Watson, then what? He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to yeah. say anything. But you said that they cut that they cut Fitz or they didn't bring back Fitzpatrick because they wanted to make two of the guy. So exactly. if you want to make two of the guy, why wouldn't you go out there and say that publicly? Because they made they still are in the market for Deshaun Watson. You're not okay. gonna stand it. Okay, you want him to talk. I mean, we'll whip the hell out of him if he talks out the side of his neck. Lord knows I've done it plenty of times where coaches tell you one thing and then the next day that it's the total opposite. One down like, in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I guess I'll just have to say it. I'm not going to be the head coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. And then freaking six, three months later, he's the head coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. But the point I'm making is that Flores is, is hedging. He not going to tell you two is his guy with the potential of acquiring Deshaun Watson and he's not going to say Deshaun Watson's name because A, he's not on his roster and, and that's For an sure, NFL yeah. issue. That's an NFL issue. And B, why would he? I don't want him to say Deshaun Watson's name. I just think if you're in a situation where you're wanting to hand the keys to the car to someone and you don't like going into the season, you don't want that cloud over over Tua because honestly if they make that Deshaun Watson trade I wouldn't be shocked if Tua was involved in that trade of course so so it's not like you're going to have that so what, cloud so what do you want him to do so what do you want him to do you want him to say Tua is my guy and then three days later they trade two number ones and Tua to to Houston for Deshaun Watson which then would be what? shocking to me given the given the questions questions surrounding whatever it is yeah, the bottom I, line I, I is know. that you want him to commit to Tua on Thursday with the potential of trading for Deshaun Watson three days later. You're not going to say anything like that. Why, okay. would, you, why would you do that? That just, ma- just to, to me, it just makes me think that it isn't just a Deshaun Watson thing. If it's just a Deshaun Watson thing, then I understand it more. If, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this much, okay? And I don't know that this is going to happen. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't happen. If at some point Deshaun Watson gets put on the commissioner's exempt list and or it's, uh, somehow we know he's not playing 2021, then you can ask, not you personally, but someone could ask Flores about Tua. And I'm sure the commitment will be a little bit stronger than it's been. You want to know why? Because the possibility of acquiring Deshaun Watson is done with. He's not telling you Tua is not my guy because of any other reason than the fact that there's potential they could get Deshaun Watson. He's not telling you Tua is Two is not my guy because of the back of quarterback or quarterback competition. He's only doing it because the potential that the owner and the general manager could acquire Deshaun Watson. And he doesn't want to make a fool of himself if they do that. Well, and I mean, 
maybe you're right because there were other quarterbacks on the market. There was the Gardner Minshew situation who only went to the Eagles for a sixth round pick, which to me that they're not shopping for a quarterback. No, no, no. I'm with you. No. Okay. So that's, that's where we'll stop that conversation. I was surprised by the destination of Minshew because I thought that he might go to a team like Indianapolis or something where you have questions as far as injury concerns and stuff with the Colt, with the, with Carson Wentz and the Colts, he goes to the Eagles where they had already signed Joe Flacco and say what you will about a guy past your prime. Joe Flacco did look good in the preseason and they are keeping the three quarterbacks for now. So the fact that they were the ones that traded for Minshew was surprising to me. And if you ask me right now today, who do I think at in 10 years, we're looking back at a more successful uh, NFL career between Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. I go with Minshew. So the the fact that Flacco was there made the the thing surprising to me, even though they they're going on record saying that Jalen Hurts is their guy, but trading for Minshew, in my opinion, signals that they aren't as sure as uh, as we thought they as we thought Nick Sirianni and the the Eagles were. They or Nick Sirianni's with the Colts now, or no, Nick Sirianni is with you. Yeah, no, you had it right. They, yeah, they got it, us. They had got it right us, the first time. They got a security blanket. That's all they did. As far as Minshew and, and Hurts is concerned, and I don't want to, I don't want to make this podcast any longer than it already is. Yeah, we've had a did, long one. Today. But did you say that ten years from now, Minshew would ha- would have had the better career? Yes. Oh my God! Look at dude, look. You, you look, see, at Minch, look, at Minch, look at Minch. Look at Minch. Look at Minch's stats. You've the, seen the, the those, those that the that ceiling is ridiculous. Those stats are like you can win a lot of games with the season that uh okay with the stats uh, that Minshew has put up. He doesn't okay. turn over the football, higher completion uh, percentage. Gardner Minshew, I okay. is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL right now, in my opinion. And I don't know. Best even, 32. I think he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Then he should be starting over Jalen Jalen Hurts then. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You're crazy. Anyway, yeah. wrap this I up. need I needed that after after a couple of weeks. Uh we wrap this up. We've got uh we've got NFL football coming up in seven days. College football, big games on on this Thursday night when you're probably uh listening to this. And then uh in my backyard now, Clemson and Georgia. Very excited for uh college football to get going. But once again, follow Lynn Martez on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation. Always check out BucksNation.com for the latest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, he has been Lynn Martez. I have been Trey Downey. We'll be back next week to preview an actual regular season game and the entire NFL season. Until then, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. <laughs>